Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. Let's read together here. And God said, I want you to really listen to these words. These are, um, sometimes we run the, the risk. How many know when we read a lot of Bible verses that are common to us, sometimes we run the risk of missing things that we think we know? Is that true? And so we've got to be really careful not to assume that we know, you know, because that gets us all in a lot of trouble, right? So let's assume we don't know, and let's read it with a little bit of, um, a little bit of um, curiosity. It says, And God said, Let us, that's interesting, Let us make man in our image. That's loaded with a lot of information. Let us, this is God talking to somebody besides Adam. Up until now, everything's been singular. God created this, God created that, God created this. Now the Godhead is communicating within themselves saying, let us now make man in our likeness or image. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, Lord God, I pray that you would put... Father, put your spirit upon this word, Lord God. Let it create life. Lord, do your will, Lord God. Father, I pray for a revelation of your glory, Lord, a revelation of who you are, Lord, in each and every life, Lord. In your name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> title of my message is, and there's Ryan also. Say hello to Ryan. Let me appreciate Ryan's work, recording. Title of my message is, What is my purpose? What is my purpose? In life. So, what is my purpose? How many know that everybody is searching for purpose? And sometimes we think we found it. Sometimes we think, I know what it is now. And we grab a hold of one of our functions. And sometimes we think our function is our purpose in life. And by holding on to that function that we have, or that title that we have, or that pursuit that we have, and assuming that's our purpose, we get disillusioned. Sometimes we grab a hold of something really good, and it might be I'm a mother or I'm a father. Or I am a um, successful person. Or I am a person who owns a company. 
or I'm a person who is a good athlete, or I'm a person who is smart. And sometimes we grab a hold of that and we say, my purpose on this earth is to be a mother. My purpose is to be a father. My purpose is to be the greatest at this or the greatest at that. And sometimes by grabbing hold of something that was not the intended purpose, the pure purpose that God created us for, it causes disillusionment. Because how many know that a lot of times the thing that we dream will crash? The thing that we've held on to and said, that is my purpose, what happens when that purpose is no longer there? What happens when that thing maybe wasn't the thing that you were put on this earth for? And disillusionment is hard to deal with. There's a hopelessness that comes with disillusionment. There's a helplessness. There is a feeling of, ever ever felt lost? It's like, let me, let me give you a good example, a very simple explanation of what purpose is. How many have ever walked into the kitchen for a reason until you got to the kitchen? And then you're kind of like, well, what was my purpose for going into the kitchen? You know that feeling of lostness? Okay, now you're getting, now you're starting to understand. This is how life is. You start walking your way into life and then all of a sudden you're like, why am I here? What am I doing here? You know, something may have changed. You know, maybe your children aren't home anymore. Maybe your children aren't there anymore for one reason or another. And that can be devastating. And you can stop and you can say to yourself, why am I here? Or maybe... Your job isn't going the way you scripted it out to be. Maybe your career is not going the way you thought it would be. And how many know all of us have felt disillusionment? And I can promise you from the Word, and I'm going to show you this morning, that God has a purpose for you that can't be lost. It can't be uh, taken away from you. It can't put you in a part of life and say, I don't know what my purpose is. He's not going to leave you in life disillusioned. But we've got to find out what the purpose is because if we don't have a purpose, then we don't have a plan. We may have a purpose and we may have a plan, but it may not be the purpose and it may not be the plan. There's a lot of peripheral things that we do that are going to be really good things in life. But we have to have the main purpose, the main focus, the main plan. And you say, well, what is the plan? The plan is He's going to direct your steps according to His will. And in order for Him to begin to have the Holy Spirit to direct your steps, you have to first have the purpose that God intended for you to have. So let's look at the purpose, and let's unravel this a little bit. Here are three questions that we try to answer about purpose, and I want you to really think about them. I talked about this a little bit, but the first question is, who am I? 
Who am I? And the first question is hard to answer because however you answer that question, that's how you'll identify your life. Who am I? So we try to ask that question. The next question we ask is, why am I on the earth? Why did God put me on this earth? Period. That's a question we try to answer. And where am I going? I mean, you know, all these are successive questions that build on top of each other. Who am I? Okay, let me answer that question. Who am I? Now, we answer it in a lot of strange ways, don't we? Why am I even on this earth? Okay, now I'm getting a little deeper into my destiny here. All right, and then the last question is, where am I going? Like, how am I going to fulfill the first two questions in my life, right? In the beginning, God is very clear about what our purpose is. And I'm going to build on this idea here. But God made a point, if you read Genesis chapter 1, He made a point to make the center of all creation when He created mankind. How many have noticed that when you read Genesis chapter 1? He speaks the world into existence. He he creates everything that's on the earth, every animal, every tree, every herb, everything in the oceans, everything on the land. He speaks it into existence and begins to create everything. And then all of a sudden, you notice everything just kind of stops. And he said, okay. And this is the first personal pronoun that's in the Bible. And it's not just... God did this, God did that, God did this, God did that. It's all of a sudden, stop. Now let us go down and create man. Now Adam means literally mankind. And so this is God's intended purpose for mankind. Let's go in and create man now. And so God says, let us do it. And God, you notice he kind of rolls his sleeves up here? And he begins to get his hands literally dirty here. And he begins to form man. And he says, not let just, let's not just make him like we did everybody else, every other animal, all of creation. Let's make him look like me. Isn't that weird? Let's make man in our likeness. Let's make him look like us. You ever thought about that? Let's make him look like us. So when God got finished creating them, God is the ultimate artist, right? The ultimate designer, the ultimate engineer. How close did you think he made him look like himself? I would say when he finished, now I don't know what the pattern was. I'm going to reveal that in a second. But whoever was fashioning man looked at him and said, you look just like me. Because that was his goal. Correct? His goal was to make man in his image, to make man look like him, make man in his own likeness. God wanted to fellowship with man. God wanted to have a companion in man. He wanted man to be like us to look like us, to be in our likeness, right? 
Is that the truth? And something happened that marred that. Something happened that damaged the creation that looked like God. Now, man wasn't the pattern. This is the good news. Man was a copy. Man was a copy or a reflection of the creator that made him to look like God. The copy was damaged. Permanently damaged. That means that what we once were that looked like God, now suddenly is progressively looking less and less and less and less like God. That's the real tragedy of the Garden of Eden was we looked like God. We were made in God's likeness. We had Christ-like qualities to us. And every successive generation after that became less and less and less to the point, get this, have you ever had a computer crash and it was not recoverable? It was not recoverable. We are so marred from what God created us to be, His purpose. How many, how many think, and I'm going to prove it here in a minute, how many think our purpose was to be like God, to have a friendship with God? That was so marred that it was unrecoverable by us. But the good news is, the divine pattern that we were copied after still is in existence. So the purpose of God in redeeming you and redeeming me is very simple. God wants to create us in His image like He intended to do in the very beginning. And this whole book is about doing that. Let me give you another scripture here. Turn to Romans eight twenty-eight and 29. <clears throat> but before I do that, let me, let me explain something here. Everything in life has a design. How many know that to be true? A building has an architect. And that architect is building it for a purpose. And whatever that purpose is, his plans reflect that. The builder is going to build it according to those plans to reflect the original purpose. A car is built with mechanical uh, engineering in mind to accomplish a purpose. Some will have more horsepower for a purpose. Some will be faster for no purpose, but they're fun. Right? <laughs> okay, you're following me. But everything, everything in life is made with a purpose. And the one that knows the purpose is the designer, the engineer, the artist. And so why in the world, when it comes to us, the most complex design in the universe, why will we say, I was an evolutionary, random mistake? Why would we say that? 
When everything else in this world has a design, a clear design, an intelligent design, a design for a purpose, then we look at ourselves and we say, well, wait a minute. I was a mistake that my parents made. See, God didn't want us to think that way. God created us to be like Him, to look like Him, to be Him, to reflect Him. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good to who? Those that love Him. Now we know that scripture. And we're so familiar we think we know it. But then he says, Those who love Him, and he elaborates, who have been called according to His purpose, right? Well, who are the ones called according to His purpose? Remember I told you His purpose was to make us look like Him in the beginning? The ones called according to His purpose, according to this, are those that God foreknew He also predestined to be conformed to What? The image of His Son. That He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So what is God's predestined plan? Do you know what predestined means? It means before He started creation, He had a plan. You hear that? You say, I thought I knew that one already. That's the one I always say. And I know it so well that you don't have to elaborate on it. But he just said before creation started, I predestine you and my the people that are called according to the purpose are the ones that are made to be in the image of my son. So whose image was being copied in the garden? The son. So they're forming, the Holy Spirit is forming man and he has a, he's duplicating something he's seeing. Man in the garden was being made in the image of Christ. When they got done, he said, you look like Christ. You look like him. You understand that in the very beginning, before God created man, his ideal was, I'm going to make somebody just like me. And I'm going to spend eternity with him. We're going to walk in the cool of the day. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be together for eternity And that plan will not fail. But here's the sticker. All things work to the good for those that love him and have the purpose. And the purpose is to make them like my son. You say, well, what is this whole world we're living right now? All things work to the good for those that love him and are called to the purpose of looking just like his son. You understand everything that we're going through right now, everything in this sinful world works together for the good to those who love him are being reformed back into the image of Christ. He said his plan was predestined before the creation of anything that your purpose was to look like him. So our purpose is to be Christ-like. Our whole purpose in life is to be Christ-like. Yes, you're a husband. Yes, you're a wife. Yes, you're a son. You're a daughter. You have successful things that you're doing. You have all kinds of things going on. But that's not 
What you were designed for, you were designed to look like him because he wants to spend eternity with you. And so that's the past. That's God saying in advance what I'm trying to do to those who believe. Right? How about the present? I like the present. Right? 2 Corinthians 3.18 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, you know what all means in the Greek? All. Who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Spirit? What's that saying? That means that if I've trusted in the Lord, what is the purpose that God's fulfilling right now? It says that with an unveiled face, I'm reflecting His glory and being transformed into His Image with ever-increasing glory. That's powerful. What is your purpose in life? Well, the plan was when I was created in my mother's womb, the plan was to look like Him. But my flesh is so marred from generations and generations and generations of running from God that I can't do it. But the plan was for me to know God, be with God, to look like Him, to be Christ-like. And now He said that those who believe are reflecting Him, and every day they're becoming more and more and more like Christ. Does everybody see that? Our present state is we're becoming more and more like Christ. And you say, man, that's heavy because I don't know if I can do that. And see, that's the good news. You you can't do that, but He can. He can do this. This was the whole purpose of this whole Word, is to help you fulfill your purpose. And it goes on. This is a really even better one here. So He sent the Holy Spirit to make you more and more like Him. Now listen to this. This is the future. This is our future state. 1 John 3, 2. It says, Dear friends... Now we are children of God. He's talking about believers here, right? And what we will be, everybody say, what will we will be? What we will be. That's hard to say. What will we be? Remember I said those three questions you're asking, who am I? Why am I on this earth? And where am I going? So what will I be? All right, we've answered the first two, right? Purpose, who am I? Well, I am actually supposed to look like Him. He made me to look like Him. He made me to be Christ-like. Here's what it says. What will we be has not yet been known, but we know that when Christ appears, what? We will be like Him. For we will see Him as He is. So the moment we see Christ, what happens to this body? I'm going to 
shed this human body and something inside of me looks just like him. And it's going to be revealed in the moment that I see him, I will look like what? Him. I'll be a slighter, chubbier, no, I won't be. No, but I'll look like him. You understand what I'm saying? You understand the process and the purpose that God has for your life is to look like him. When we get up in the morning, the process of this present day, you say, well, man, I got to do this for God. I got to do that for God. I got to do this. I am this. I am that. I got to do that. I got to do this. God says, no, one thing. Be like me. Every day the Holy Spirit's trying to make you like Christ. And I started thinking about this. What's it mean to be like Christ? Um, how many uh, I mean, like to do recipes? Recipes. I know you do. I've enjoyed your recipes many times. Praise the Lord. But you get that recipe and the recipe for being Christ-like is not... Um, not always the easiest recipe. Let me know that. Because if I could sit here and go through attributes of what it's like to be like Christ, you ever, you ever tasted that recipe? And you're like, man, something's missing. Something's just missing in this, and I, I can't put my finger on it. But maybe I'll add a little bit of this. Right, a little bit of that, and you know, you get a chili cook-off and you start seeing a lot of variety. You start seeing brown sugars and honey and, you know, all kinds of different things. Sometimes you say, is that really chili? What is that? Not sure exactly. But we had some awesome recipes. But see, what we're trying to do is be Christ-like. And for me to go through the attributes of what Christ is like, I would be here all year. I would be here all year saying, well, you know, let me give you an example. Jesus, one word that describes him in the Bible is holy. Meaning he didn't compromise on anything that was called sin. There was no compromise in him. There was no budge in anything called sin. But at the same time, he had the ultimate stand against sin, but he had the ultimate love for sinners. Nobody's ever loved a sinner more than Christ, and nobody's ever stood up against sin stronger than the Holy One. He's our ultimate example for both, so that's a recipe. If somebody handed me this recipe of Christ, I couldn't make it. I couldn't make that recipe, yet when I see him, I'll be like him, but in the present time, I'm becoming like him. You say, well, do I have to be him to be saved? Well, the Bible, listen to this, 1 John 2, 6, right before the last one I read, it says, whoever claims to live in him, which is Christ, must live as Jesus lived. So the Bible wants us to be Christ-like, but how do I do that? If the purpose of my life is to be like Christ... In fact, let me ask you this. If everybody in this world 
their purpose in life was to be Christ-like, how much would this world be different tomorrow? And I'm telling you, this recipe that we're trying to make in our life is the ultimate purpose in life. It's like, how do I love like Jesus loved? Right? Because sometimes, here's what we do. Sometimes we stand up against sin like Jesus did, but then we don't love sinners like He did. Sometimes we... Love sinners like he did, but we don't stand up for the truth like he did. You know, sometimes we give in certain areas, and then we take in other areas. And it's just really hard, but our purpose in life is to be like him. And so the best way that I can break it down is, is I, I, I've seen a breakdown of an outline, and I really like it. Is five areas that he said to be like him. Number one, listen to this. Jesus in John chapter 3 came to a man named Nicodemus, right? And Nicodemus came, and, and, and let me read it here. It says, it's John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus. At night, very high-ranking Jew, and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher that has come from God, for no man could perform the signs you are doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you. He doesn't even wait to take the credit that he just gave him a compliment. He says, I tell you the truth. No man can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Born again. Listen to this. Philippians 2, 5 to 8 says, Now have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped for his own selfish enjoyment. He emptied himself out, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Did you see that? Jesus wants us to be like him in the way he was born. It's really easy to do. Jesus was born of a virgin, supernaturally. The Holy Spirit literally put this child in this virgin mother's womb and he was born and he knew when he was born that he was going to be humbling himself as a man but one day he'd rule over everything and he wants us to do that well that's an easy thing to do you say well that's impossible How can I do that? How can I be born by the Holy Spirit and my purpose to be to come to this earth being a little lower and knowing one day that I'll rule? Isn't that the gospel? When Jesus said you must be born again, 
What he was saying was, there's another birth that's like my birth. You won't have a dad. I mean, no, when you're born again, there's no dad. There's the Holy Spirit implanting you, and God is literally growing a new creature. It said, Behold, the old things have passed away, and behold, all things are now new. God wants to rebirth you, and you're going to be like Him. This baby that is now growing in righteousness, growing in the Lord, you are going to be like Him. That's a new birth. That's something the Holy Spirit did. There was no human dad there. You say, you mean I can be born like Jesus? The Holy Spirit can overshadow. I can be born a new person. Old things have passed away. All my genealogy is gone. All my sin is gone. All of that is gone and I'm a new person. Yes! The Holy Spirit is upon you trying to make us like Christ. And the only way to do it is for the old man to die. You say, well, I don't know if I can make that recipe. That's what he's doing. That's his plan. This is the ultimate recipe he's mixing. He's put his Holy Spirit in this new creation and he's making you just like him. And guess what? When I see him, me and him are going to look just alike. And we're going to spend eternity together, which is what he was trying to do in the garden. You say, but what if I fail? What if I fail? Well, what is grace and mercy? God said this plan cannot fail. All you have to do every day is get up and say, I want to be like Christ. Like that song said, if I should stumble and fall, right? But the plan is I'm trying to be Christ-like every day. Am I going to be Christ-like completely? That's a hard stew to make right there. That's a hard recipe. But every day am I striving to be like Christ? Absolutely. I'm trying to look like him, but I don't look like him yet. Do you know when I'm going to look like him? When I see him face to face. I'll look at him, he'll look at me, and we'll say, we look alike. I'm just like you. Because my old body has fallen away, and what's inside that God's been working on all this time is going to look like him. You understand that? So God wants my birth to be like his birth. He said, be like him where he came on this earth was a little lower. You say, well, how's that? He knew he was a little lower, but he knew he was going to rule one day. The Bible says right now we're a little lower than the angels. But they said one day we'll rule and reign with him. You're reborn. You say, man, my purpose before was so much better. You know, I had a business. It was doing well. They knew me for the business. And that's such a good purpose. Yeah, it's a good purpose until you lose it. I was a mother. I was a father. You know, I was this. I was that. Let me tell you, your real purpose is to rule and reign with Christ. Your real purpose is to be groomed through the things that you go through in this world for God's good purpose, and that is for you to begin to start looking like Him and one day look just like Him and reign with Him and be with Him forever. That's God's purpose. 
Number two. And I'm not reading all of this because I know I'll go long if I do. The second thing is in John chapter 13, it says just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that God, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning back to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel and wrapping the towel around him. Skip down to verse 12. He begins to explain to them what he was doing. He said, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to the place. He said, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. For that is what you, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you, as ex- I have set you an example that you should do it as I have done for you. Verily, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than their master, not a messen- nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? This is another example of being like me. God wants us, he's still trying to make us in that image. And there's a lot of ingredients that go into what he just did there. He knew that he was going to heaven and all power was underneath him. It was granted to him. And he knew he was going to die and return back to the Lord as king of all. So what does he do to show everybody his authority and his power? He begins to wash their feet. And you say, well, I've read that a million times. I know all about it already. If I were to ask everybody to take their shoes off this morning, and your old crusty socks, totally unannounced, there would be a lot of anxiety issues in this building. You'd be like, well, wait a minute, I haven't cut my toenails in years. All right, there's all kinds of... uh, Lint trapped in between my toes. They probably aren't going to smell really good because you preach really long and they're sweaty. And Do you understand this is a messy thing he's doing. This is a personal thing he's doing. Some people are going to be so ticklish you can't even do it. Right? And so the people that are getting their feet washed, it's a very intimate thing. that, that they're all, He's all up in their business. All right? And plus, he's doing something very degrading. And so what he's saying is, there's an equivalent to this in your world. And he's saying, I, if you want to be like me, because they had just been arguing. If you look at the other Gospels, they would just been arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And it's like the third time they were arguing. And he's about to die. 
He knows his, his hour has come. And he says, you want to be like me? You want to be Christ-like and look like me, which is what your purpose is? Serve other people. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid of the smell. Amen? Some of you, your feet don't stink. That's a problem. You know, you smell like roses. Well, my feet stink, and I'm really happy that the Lord would wash my feet. Amen? Praise the Lord. But he got down and washed their feet, which tells me that he was all about ministering to other people. He was all about everybody else. He was all about sacrificing his time, his talent, his energy for other people. You say, well, wait a minute. My purpose is to be the best. My purpose is to dominate. My purpose is to... And can I tell you something? This is that marred nature that I have. I didn't say you because then it'd be easier to look at me and say, you're right, that is our marred nature. But it's your marred nature. He wants us to look like Him, but I've got generations of wrong living behind me. I've got my own marred image of what God once was and it isn't there anymore. And God is taking me into His Word and into His presence and His Spirit is there because every day He's trying to change me to be like the one who got down on His hands and knees and washed old dirty sinners' feet. And He was the God of heaven. And everything that happens in this world is to make me that kind of person and change my marred image of who God is. Number three. Ephesians 5.2 says, Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. This is a hard one. I've got to somehow figure out how to take this marred image of what God wanted me to be and I've got to learn to love people like Jesus loved people. And he gives a definition of what that love was. And it says he gave himself up and sacrificed himself. You know, the, the closest thing we have in this world to what God actually looks like is some of the relationships that God designed to show us what his love is like. When a mother sacrifices herself for her children, we begin a little bit to understand what God's trying to make us to the world. When we sacrifice for a husband, we sacrifice for a wife, we sacrifice for a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter, a friend. How many know God's trying to teach us that's how I want you to be to the world? God's trying to show us that there's an unconditional, sacrificial love, and that's who He is. Yes, He stood up against sin more than anybody ever did, but He would sacrifice His life to save you. And God wants to make people that look just like Him. You say, well, man, I'm angry at sin and I'm angry at those sinners that are doing it. And we've got to really be careful because we've got to make sure that that recipe is Him. If we want to call ourselves Christians, we have to be like Christ, which means I have to stand up for the truth very strongly. But it also says, no greater love has a man than to lay his life down for a friend. 
And he says, when they revile you, when they persecute you, when they do all manner of things against you. You know, there's a lot of things that fall under all manner of things, right? He said, love them. That's hard for me. He said, was that easy for you? No, because I'm marred. I have to be in prayer. I have to be in his word. I have to be willing to change, to be like him. And I'm not perfect. But you know what I am going to be? When I see him, I'm going to look just like him. That's my hope. Fourth, endurance. It says that Jesus endured everything. Why? Because of the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him. And he says, we're supposed to be like him. It's like no matter what was in front of Jesus, what did he do? He still loved people. He's on a cross, beaten more than any man's ever been beaten, and he's saying, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. He still loves people on the cross. And no matter what was said before him, no matter who was angry at him, no matter who tried to kill him, no matter who betrayed him, he had endurance. That means that nothing that was in front of him got in the way of his purpose. And you know what? God's calling us to have a purpose of being just like Him. Just like Him in everything we do. And what, what happens to us sometimes? Something gets in our way and we're either not patient or we don't endure. And He wants us to have patient endurance because He had patience endurance because of the joy that was set before Him. You know the joy that's set before you? We're going to look just like Him and we're going to rule and reign forever and we're going to walk in the cool of the day with our Lord and we're going to look just like Him. Isn't that amazing? That's exciting to know that. Five. The fifth thing about being like Christ, He says in John chapter 17, verse 18, He says, As you sent me, into the world, I have sent them into the world. The mission. We want to look like Christ. We have a mission. God is trying to change us in such a way every day that we can have a mission that is Christ-like. That means when I get up in the morning, how many know if I get up in the morning and I take on the image of Chad, or you take on the image of insert your name, how many know that I'm going to minister death? I'm not going to be able to reach people. People will not want to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will not be a light in darkness. And the reason why is because I don't look like Christ. But if I get up in the morning... And my prayer is, I want to look like Christ. I want to be like Christ. I want to sound like Christ. He's not going to take your personality away. He's going to make you the best version of you. And so our purpose in life is to get up every day. You say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, really, I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. I'm going to be the next great worker for God. And that's what we do. we got all these high ideals. And all God's asking us to do is real simple. Wake up in the morning. And let me live through you. Be Christ-like today. Let me live through you. You say, well, how do I live like Christ? 
Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed. Be not conformed to this world. That means don't allow yourself to look like the world. Don't fight with the weapons of the world. It's like, man, but you know what? He says, allow yourself to be transformed by the renewing of your mind every day. You know that God is calling us to get up every day and read the Bible and and have the most knowledge of anybody in the world, right? No. He's not calling you to read the Bible and have the most knowledge of anybody in the world. I ask a lot of questions where I know it's the wrong answer. I I draw people in, I'm sorry. (laughs) He wants you to read the Bible, why? Because the purpose was to look like Christ. So when I read the Bible in the morning, I don't want to impress people with the knowledge that I have about the Bible. I want to impress people with how the knowledge of Him has changed me. How the knowledge of Him has changed me. It's all about fulfilling my purpose. It's all about getting up in the morning and praying, God, when I go to work this morning, God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. It's all about getting up in the morning and not doing that. It's about getting up in the morning and saying, God, live through me. God, crucify me. God, move me out of the way. Hide me behind your cross. Let them see you. Because if they see me, if my family sees me, you know how bad that is for my family? But if my family sees Christ through me, I can have an impact on my family. If they see me, I'll run them away. How many have done that? If they see me, I'll run them away. Because I've only got a few ingredients that look a little bit like Christ. But if I allow Christ to crucify me and let Him live through me, if I'm lessened and He's greater, my prayer has to reflect that in the morning. My prayer at lunch when I'm at work and I'm around my coworkers has to reflect that. God, I want you, I want to be like you today. And you know, it takes a prayer life. It takes a study of the Word. It takes all these things because God would not tell you to do it unless He will give it to you to do it. He wouldn't tell you to be like Him unless He can make you like Him. And so God is trying to make us like Him. Let me give you one final example and I'm going to close with this. What if I handed you a painting that was done by Picasso? And I said, here, you need to make a painting that looks just like this. And you might be able to go home for a thousand years and never get a painting that looks like the Picasso original. Is that true? He's a master, right? I'm not a master. I could give you the most beautiful luxury car in the world right now and I could park it out here and say, hey, I want you to make one just like it. I want you to make a car just like this Lamborghini. It doesn't matter if I had a thousand years. I couldn't go home and make one that looked just like that car, could I? They're the masters. They're the greatest car builders in the world. And now you're telling me to copy that. 
How about the biggest, most beautiful mansion? You ever walked in a house and you're like, man, everything is just so perfect here. I mean, everything they've done here is just so perfect. And you go take an unskilled person and say, hey, build that exactly like they built it for them. Do you understand the design, the skill, the engineering, everything that's being asked on a person that has no skill? God's given you a picture of himself and he's saying, go home and build it. The greatest architect there's ever been, the greatest designer there's ever been. And we look at that picture and what do we say? If you're smart, you'll say, I can't do that. But what a lot of us do is very doable. Don't we? And this is where the disillusionment comes. Because we say it's very doable and we go a whole lifetime trying to do it. And God's saying, no, just let me, through my Holy Spirit, do it in you. He said, what if I fail? You're trying to make a Picasso here, all right? The Picasso will appear when we see him. But his grace allows you to be working toward the Picasso. And that's what God's called us to be. The disillusionment comes... When you try to make the Picasso on your own and wonder why you couldn't make it, right? I mean, it'd be frustrated with that. You go home and you keep trying to paint that painting. You're like, why can't I do it? And it's like, oh, wow. I think God looks at our lives sometimes like that. Why can't I be the perfect picture that God made me to be? Well, I don't know. Don't you think God looks at us that way sometimes? We're so depressed because we couldn't be perfect. And God's like... How many different ways does Chad have to explain it to you every week? Okay? Quit being depressed because you're not perfect, because perfect stands in the way of doing what God's wanted you to do. And that's working toward being Christ-like. Stand to your feet this morning. Praise the Lord. Worship team. And if you're keeping score at home, I went two minutes over. All right, I know nobody keeps score. I didn't see anybody keeping score at least. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're just going to close here, and I just want to encourage you today. Uh, Maybe you've fallen into the trap of perfectionism. How many have ever done that? And you say, man, uh, I'm disappointed. I come every week, and I didn't make a Picasso this week. I didn't make that perfect design he had for me. And God said, this is where faith comes in. Trust me. Trust the process. Trust that you can't fail when you trust me. And the opposite is, hey, Chad, I'm doing all right. I have no desire to be like Christ. I'm not even trying. You know, those are two bad extremes. The one extreme will beat you so bad, beat you up so bad, you won't even be able to worship God on a Sunday morning. Now, if we do it right, we're excited on a Sunday morning. We're like, man, God's grace is so amazing. I'm not perfect, but praise God, I'm better than I was yesterday. Praise God, I'm pursuing Christ's likeness. Praise God, I'm going to be just like Him one day. But if we do it wrong, it's like, oh, I fail every week. Yeah, of course you do. That's what grace is all about. The other extreme is, man, I'm, I'm all right, but I have no desire to be like Christ. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the whole purpose in the beginning of saving you So if you're one of those people that said, man, 
I don't even care what it means to be like Christ. I just want to live my life and have insurance. You know what I mean? You need to find a place to pray with me. You've been misled. Maybe you're the one that just has so much guilt you can't serve the Lord. You lay that down. Lay it down and begin to worship the Lord. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, we're up here ready to pray with you. If that's anybody here, just find me up here at the altar. We'll confidentially, quietly pray with you. Let me know we want to lead you to the Lord today. We want to see you have a purpose and a plan for your life. We want you to have a purpose and a plan for your life. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray over this house today, Lord. Oh, Father, I just pray that you would uh, speak to every heart, Lord. Father, your plans and your purposes, Lord. Lord, in the very beginning, Lord God. Oh, Father, your hopes and your desires for each person in here, Lord. Your design, Lord, your engineering. Oh, Lord, your hopes for each person, Lord God. I pray that you begin to reveal that. Every heart, Lord God, let them not go another day without purpose. Father, those who uh, have gotten frustrated, Lord God, Father, I pray that you give them clarity in their walk, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you bless your people today, Lord God. deliver the word, the most important thing is the challenge. The challenge. If it doesn't change it, what what does it do? And the challenge is, if you could do this, go home every day this week, and the next day, it's not about perfection. It's being tomorrow a little more like Jesus. If we really press in, we can be a lot more like Jesus be a lot more like Jesus if we really press in, but at least every day, can everybody do that? Be a little more like Jesus. You say, well, how do I know how Jesus is? Through His Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through your life. If this whole church were a little more like Jesus, you said, you mean like you, Pastor Chad? You're not around me enough. I'm trying to be more like Jesus And if I think I've arrived, I'm in trouble. And so every day, let's all try to be a little more like Jesus. And if we're a little more like Jesus, we'll change a lot of lives. And if we're a lot more like Jesus, God just might do something here in this church. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Holy Spirit, do your work. Fulfill your purpose in every life. Lord, bless them as they go, Lord God. Put your spirit upon them, a desire to hunger and thirst after you, Lord. Bless them, give them strength, Lord God. Accomplish your will in their life this week. In your name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Lord.